Pastor Ed Taylor on what we're to focus on in the midst of difficulty. The more you get consumed by the trial, the more it starts to overwhelm you. And you, you got to focus, like, this is not the end. The end is in eternity. This is not the end. The end is not the trial. The, the, the end is not the issue that you're in the midst of. The end is not the trial. The end is eternity. And what God is wanting to accomplish in your life. You're going to be with Jesus. He's going to keep his promise. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hey, welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through 1 Peter verse by verse. Those of you who have competed in marathons know how important it is to press through the pain while keeping the finish line in mind. You know, life is very much like that, as we'll learn today. We're in a marathon, and at times it's very painful and difficult. But Pastor Ed says we must remember the end is eternity. Keeping that in view is a key to victorious Christian living. We're going through a verse-by-verse study in 1 Peter. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 8 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Remember That the End is Eternity. Remember that the end is eternity. So God is working on you and me, fashioning and molding us until eternity. That's the end. The end isn't the end of a crisis. The end isn't the end of a bad situation. The end isn't when things go our way. The end is eternity. And so we're learning, aren't we, that there's an ongoing process that God is working out in our lives through the trials that come our way. That's Peter is writing to a group of people in the midst of great trial, the biggest issue they've ever faced in their life, the biggest trial. And so Pastor Peter is wanting to encourage them. And trials, they grieve us. And they hurt us. And they confuse us. I've often likened, you know, heavy trials like being punched in the gut. And you lose your breath. And all that's left is just like, i got to get my next breath. You don't think about anything else. You don't care about anything else. You know, you just want to get your next breath. You want to get your equilibrium back. And trials will do that. But they have a purpose. They're working deep inside of us, into our souls. They're developing character and trust. And I was thinking of that phrase uh, in verse 7, if you pick up in verse 7 in chapter 1, that the genuineness of your faith. So, So there's a preposition there of your faith. What the emphasis is, is that God is bringing out a genuineness so you know that your faith is real. You know, we look at something that's genuine and we're encouraged that it's not fake. And there are things that are very valuable that when we're looking at, we want to make sure this isn't fake. I'm going to be spending a lot of money. I'm going to be investing a lot of time. I don't want to get involved in something that's fake, that's a scam. And you know, we don't want faith that's fake either. We don't want a faith that's a scam. And we don't want to be always doubting ourselves, whether we're saved or not, whether I really believe right, whether I'm... So what does God do? He allows trials into our lives to refine us so that we know the genuineness of our faith. Like your faith is real. 
Every time you endure a trial, every time you face a trial, you can know that God is developing genuineness. I like that. And there seems to be times in our lives too where we'll do anything to try to get out of trials. I mean, who wouldn't? So we don't want it and we want out. But God is using them to purify and change us. To develop us, to make us a different person. And I know testimony after testimony after testimony is among us now. And you guys online, you know, our church at home right now, I know that trials have validated your faith. And you are a different person today because of the trial you've endured. You're different. You, you have a different walk, a different relationship. And that's a good thing, even though it came in a very painful way. So by way of context, let's pick up in verse 6 for the full sentence here of what Peter is writing. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found a praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he speaks of Jesus as you haven't seen him. And that would apply to us. We haven't seen. And we have to ask, is it possible to love someone that you haven't seen? Yes, very much so. I think of every parent or grandparent or great-grandparent that loves that baby in the womb and haven't seen him yet, haven't seen her yet, and you fall in love already with that child developing in the womb. I think of the distance that sometimes is between people, that although you don't see them, your love only grows all the more. That's the encouragement, that even though you haven't seen him, you love him. Now, Peter, of course, had the privilege of hanging out with Jesus. He had the privilege that none of us really have had to leave everything and spend literally three years all day, every day with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure a lot of that was really encouraging, but I'm sure that a lot of that was very challenging for him. We have a few episodes where he puts his foot in his mouth and he's rebuked. We have a few episodes where he makes mistakes, where he's like, like, so I think all of us were like, yes, 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 I want to spend three years literally all day, every day with Jesus. But we're only thinking of the good parts of that. It would also be very challenging as those weaknesses in our lives would always be among us. I mean, we would always just think, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, what did I say? Well, I wonder what he's thinking. And of course, him ministering to us. But he ate with the Lord. He lived with them. He walked with them. He worked with them. They developed a friendship and a love together. Peter was drawn to the Lord and was blessed to live with him day and night. And some struggle with this as a believer in Jesus Christ. They struggle with this point that we don't have a physical Jesus with us. He's not with us. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And he ascended into heaven. And he's promised to return. So we're living in that in-between time, waiting for the promise of his soon return. And some people have a difficulty with that distance. You think, how can I ever have the kind of relationship that Peter had when I don't have a physical representation of Jesus, I can't see him. I can't live with him. 
I can't walk with him, eat with him physically. How can I believe like that without ever seeing Jesus with my own eyes? Well, Jesus anticipated this. Our Savior anticipated the feeling that you may have. This I may be describing you. It's just been one of those issues in your life. Just one of those issues of faith. You're like, you're just really struggling because, you know, you, you are able to develop relationships with humans better because they're there, but you've had a hard time developing this relationship with Jesus because he's not physically there. And he anticipated this. He let his disciples know that they didn't have to see him in order to believe in him or be blessed. So turn over to John. Hold your place here in Peter. Turn with me back to the gospel of John here in chapter 20. The gospel of John here in chapter 20. And Jesus anticipated this as you pick up with me in verse 24. John chapter 20 verse 24. He says, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in my hands the print of the nails, my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And here's a sense where, look, I, if, unless I have physical proof, I won't believe. Well, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came and the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So Thomas, he needed this in his life in the context of where he was with all those that had physically seen him. God met him there. And God will meet you. Jesus will meet you and give you that blessed assurance. He says, blessed are those that haven't seen me but believe, which refer to all of us. Now, we've had a personal experience. We've been born again. But Jesus promised a blessing on you and me that we would believe by receiving eyewitness account. Or we would be receiving, we believe based on testimony. We believe based on the proclamation of the gospel. We believe based upon the factual truth of the scripture. We believe for a variety of other reasons with the exception of having a physical encounter. He says, you are extra blessed. That it doesn't require you to put your hand in his side. Or it doesn't require you uh, to, to see him physically. That you and I, we believe that haven't seen now, let me just say this. Again, if you're struggling with this, there are many things you and I believe in without being able to see physically. Like we take the word of someone else. For example, many of you uh, have never traveled to Australia. I've never traveled to Australia. I had, a, I had a trip scheduled this year to teach at a conference in Australia, but it was canceled. And I purchased airline tickets there. I rearranged my schedule. I had guests lined up to invite to come in, and I didn't, ended up getting canceled. So I, I didn't go. But I've never been there, but I believe Australia exists. I believe it. I believe it for a lot of different evidence. There's a lot of evidence that I believe Australia uh, in, it exists, even though I've never physically seen, well, Ed, you've probably seen a picture of Australia. I've seen a picture, yes. 
Well, well, I'm sure you've talked to people that live in Australia. I actually did. That's one of the ways I got an invitation. I met a brother, a pastor in Australia. Um, So I talked to him and he told me all about where he's at and where he lives. But I haven't seen Australia. I haven't touched the sand with my hands. I haven't experienced it, but I believe it. And I'm sure there are other cities. You go, well, you know, if I was here to say, New York City doesn't exist. And you're going, oh, yes, it does. And I would say, well, have you been there? Uh, well, well, no. Well, then how do you know it exists? Because of evidence. Evidence is very important. I mean, I think of the atom. And I know that there's microscopes and things now where you can see that, but most of us don't have any access to any of that stuff. So I, I've, I've never literally seen an atom with my naked eye, but I believe in the scientific proof and the testimony of atoms. I think of electricity. I think of wind. Like, I've never seen wind. Have you seen wind? Now, some of you would say, oh, I see wind all the time. Actually, you see the effects of wind. You don't see wind itself. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw it coming through. That was probably dust particles being carried by the wind. Well, I see the the leaves. Yeah, you probably see leaves, but that's the effect of wind. But I feel it. I see the, I, I believe in wind, but I've never seen it. I believe in electricity. I've never seen it. I mean, I've seen it, some outbursts, you know, I've seen some outgrowth of it, maybe some demonstrations of it in the sense, but I don't know how it's all working in the room right now. I can't explain it to you. Uh, radio waves. You know, you must believe in radio, especially you guys on Grace FM. If I said, you guys believe in radio waves and anywhere on this is airing on the radio, you go, yes, yes, yes. Have you seen them? Well, no. Well, then how do you believe they exist? Well, I'm listening to you on the radio right now. Right. There's evidence. Something's getting my voice out to wherever you are around the country, around the world. And so there's a lot in our lives. But imagine all of that so secondary to what Peter says. He says, look, I know you haven't seen Jesus like I have. I've been eyewitness. I know you haven't been. But let me tell you something. You have an extra blessing in your life. That you haven't seen him and your life is one of dependence. It's not weird or unusual to love someone that you haven't seen before or you haven't met. I think of all the long distance relations, especially around, you know, the wartime, long distance pen pal relationships where relationships were developed through writing of letters or now through email and even technology with apps and such where there are long distance relationships, in some cases, someone you've never met before but you've connected through writing. And I love that because really our love, you can jot it down in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It really comes down to this. We, it says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. So it's all of this explanation really pales in comparison to our response to the love of God. That's why I love God, because he loved me. He reached out to me. He pursued me. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and for you. And so what other response can I come and what other response can I offer to God? But then, man, I love, I I love you because you first loved me. He says in verse 9, or really there, he says, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. You rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. Why? Because you're going to, you're looking forward to receiving the end of your faith. That's what you got to focus on in the midst of difficulty and trial. It's, it, the more you get consumed by the trial, the more it starts to overwhelm you. And you, you got to focus, like this is not the end. The end is in eternity. This is not the end. 
The end is not the trial. The, the, the end is not the issue that you're in the midst of. The end is not the trial. The end is eternity and what God is wanting to accomplish in your life. You're going to be with Jesus. He's going to keep his promise. You, you can put that into language, but you know, it's hard to, exp- it's, if joy is inexpressible, it's like hard to describe, but I look forward to being with the Lord. I look forward to having all of what he's promised come to pass. I look forward that not only will my joy be inexpressible, but I'll be full of glory. It'll just be the whole presence will be full of glory and gladness. We get super excited in things that aren't going to last forever. We get all excited and rah, 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 and we're on, and yes, 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 and we're yelling, and we're excited, and we're great, but 365 days worth, that's about it. Some of it's even less than that. And then if we get too caught up in it, that's all we'll be about. We won't be about the things of the Lord. We won't be enjoying the presence of the Lord. We won't be enjoying ministering and loving people. And you know, not only in in the sense of crisis, you know, so you take that crisis, you take the trial and how myopic it can make you, how focused on just what's in front of you, how you forget. And it's just going to be, you know, a few days, really, all eternity. It's just going to be like a few days. You, you know, just like, hey, if you've been in a trial for 10 years, that's still just 3,000 days. I mean, it's a long time, don't get me wrong, but it's just days. Eternity is forever. The presence of the Lord, the, the, the glory of God that we can't even express what we're going through. You're going to receive the end of your faith. As we start in a new chapter in Hebrews, you're going to see, like, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that live life by faith. They made it in. We're going to make it in. Jesus Christ has changed your life. Live that way. Trust Him in the pain. Receive His strength in your weakness. Share the love of Jesus Christ. Receive the end of your faith day by day, knowing the Lord is coming back. He loves you. You love him. And he's living in me. Turn over now to Philippians, would you? I want you to see this Philippians. It's been a a verse that keeps popping up again. It's so encouraging to me. Uh, Pastor Ian was sharing that with communion uh, as we were all taking communion together, chapter 2. And I shared a little bit of it uh, in a message previous to that. But notice in... Philippians chapter 2 in verse 12 now, he says, let this mind be in you. He talks about the great, what they call the kenosis passage of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, becoming a human, fully God, fully man. And then he says in chapter, in verse 12, he says, therefore, my beloved, this is Philippians 2, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God working in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So do things, and again, in the midst of, mur- in the midst of trials and crisis and all the difficulty that's represented in our church right now, in our city, in our state, around our world, this is the word of the Lord. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. It's not characteristic of the believer in a love relationship with Jesus. Do everything without murmuring and complaining. Why? So that you can be blameless, harmless, children of God without fault. Notice, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Why? So that you can shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. 
That same day of inexpressible joy, full of glory. Now Paul's saying, look guys, come with me. Take, come on, stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Get on with being that harmless, gentle, careful, blameless child of God. You, you know, you're in a crooked generation. You're in a twisted generation. Hold fast God's word. Be that light and shine. Because that day of Christ, there's going to, Paul will have that sense, I'm not having run in vain. I haven't labored in vain. Yes, if I'm being poured out, verse 17, as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice. So be glad and rejoice with me. That's the pathway of endurance is the joy and the gladness comes without complaining, without murmuring, and just shining the light of the gospel. Circumstances, you got to understand, in the midst of your trial right now, in the midst of our trial, you, you just got to in your heart of hearts right now, receive this as unto the Lord and pray over it this week. Things might not change in your life for the better anytime soon. Things may not change for your life and mine anytime soon. That's a reality that we have to embrace. I don't know what God's going to do. And I certainly come to my prayer life with hope in the things I'm facing. But I recognize that God may have a different plan for my life than I have. And so at the end of my prayers, when I say in Jesus' name, most of the time I mean it. I mean in your authority, Jesus. I'm praying for your will to be done on earth, not my will in heaven. I'm praying for you to do with me what you desire. So things may not get better for you. They might get worse. And there might be more oppression there might be more persecution. There might be more freedoms taken away. There may be uh, more pain. There may be more suffering. There may be more loss. It, you have to understand that the hope is not that your trial will go away. Your hope is in the Lord and His goodness. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of a message from Ed Taylor called, Remember the End is Eternity. To hear today's study again, just visit our website. It's AboundingGraceRadio.com. And there you'll find our podcast, also Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's all at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Ed Taylor and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient for you. This month, we picked out a book that we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or a stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and to help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Now, please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Pastor Ed, we've been talking about trials and suffering all week long, and I can't help but think many of our listeners are really going through it. Now, we've got a phone number that we can give out to them where they can simply send us a text message prayer request. 
Could you take a moment to encourage our listeners to take advantage of this? Yes, Larry. This is one of those things that we started doing during the pandemic, and you wonder, why weren't we always doing this? We have a dedicated phone number where you can send your prayer requests. It's only by text, but use it. It's 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. We will read those requests. We will pray over those requests, and then they get copied and sent to the team and the staff here at Calvary Church, and we pray over those requests, and then they get distributed to the different prayer meetings, and they, they pray, pray over them. And we encourage you to use it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where you are in the country, 720-336-0897, and we will join you in prayer as a church family. And I look forward to coming alongside and seeking the Lord on your behalf just like the Word says, we're going to go right into the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. So pull out that phone of yours and text a prayer request today. We want to hear from you. Well, we're glad you've taken time out for our study in First Peter, and we'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.